Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 141 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Uh, you have clued me in to a thing that I never thought I would talk about in the government space, Robert. And that is something that I think I remember touching on on some psychology class in college or something like that. And that is behavioral science. What's the context of that in the government space, Robert? Well, you you may recall my interest in evidence-based policymaking. Oh, Francis. my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I recall it because you mentioned it on every episode of the program. And this sets a record because you've never mentioned it earlier in a program than this. It's amazing. I, We're less than I'm 60 seconds in. I'm, less I'm always trying to keep up. So the principle behind evidence-based policymaking is that the government should invest things proven to work. There is a proliferation across the globe of behavioral insights teams. Those are units that really try to test different approaches for getting the population to do things that are good for them or that the government needs them to do, like pay their taxes, or get a vaccine, or to wear a mask. And so we at Grant Thornton spent the last nine months or so working with the Partnership for Public Service to get some best practices, to get agencies uh, sharing across barriers about what's working and what's not in applying behavioral science to improve their performance, get better results for the American people. One of the point people at the Partnership for Public Service for that effort is David Garcia, senior manager there. David, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. What did you and your colleagues at Grant Thornton look at together in the course of doing this work? Well, thanks, first of all, for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here today. So like Robert said, the partnership and Grant Thornton collaborated on this project in 2020. And what we did, first of all, we held a total of five workshops last year. Um, and we had experts on behavioral science join us. Uh, our audience was federal employees who are interested in applying behavioral insights to their own work to improve their policies and programs. So the first workshop we did was uh, introductory. It looked at what behavioral insights are and how they're being used in the federal space. Had another workshop a couple months later on how to actually test whether or not a behavioral intervention or the application of behavioral insights produced the effect that you thought it might produce. Did it actually improve a policy or program? And then we had three office hour sessions. So these were meant to be smaller, intimate gatherings where um, federal employees who are either already applying behavioral insights to their work or are interested in doing so uh, joined us for an hour long session, um, spoke with a subject matter expert on the topic and either pitched their own ideas or got a little bit of um, a help or insight. So uh, a total of five workshops last year. And then um, in December, we wrote up and released a report based on the findings of those uh, five sessions. What did you learn from those findings that confirmed what you suspected when you began, if that's appropriate, or that was pretty contrary to what you expected to get? Well, a couple of things. First of all, the tool is so promising, but it really is underutilized in government. Um, it's really not being used to the extent that it could be in government. Um, I think 
I don't know that it was surprising, but what was totally reiterated over the course of the year is that behavioral insights, it's, it's, they're easy to apply. It's very inexpensive to apply. It does not take much time to apply these tools to policies or programs, but it can really generate um, big improvements to federal processes and programs. The point David makes is one that I've hammered out through this experience, which is that though if you're engaged in behavioral insights, you're in like a little behavioral insights bubble. You're excited by the results you've got, and you see that the uptake in it, the tests have been done are in the dozens or maybe in the hundreds. But what David and I learned or emphasized is that there's really no part of government there's no process in government. There's no program in government. There's no objective of government that couldn't benefit from the application of these practices. And, you know, maybe, David, if you could tell us what are some of the experiments that you recall from our sessions that you think best exemplify how quick and easy and cheap these can be? Sure. So one good behavioral insight is that people are more likely to complete a task if completing the task requires very little effort, as even small inconveniences can uh, deter people from acting. So one way to um, make it easy is to simplify uh, letters, simplify messages. So one really good example is um, a project that the USDA did. The USDA runs the National School Lunch Program. This program provides free or subsidized lunches to about 30 million students every day. Um, in order to ensure that only those students that are eligible are actually getting free lunch, USDA um, requires a random sample of uh, free lunch recipients to verify their eligibility. So they send out a letter to the families that are getting free lunch and ask them to submit some documents to verify their eligibility. But USDA found that a lot of eligible families weren't actually completing the verification. And it wasn't because they weren't eligible, but it was because they were confused by this long, complicated verification letter. So the USDA applied behavioral insights to actually simplify the verification letter. They uh, made it shorter. They used simpler language. They provided a visual summary of the documents that families had to submit to verify their eligibility. And they reminded families that they didn't need to make photocopies of all the documents and go to the post office and mail the letter, but they could actually take pictures of the documents with their smartphone and email it in. And the USDA found that the application of this behavioral insight, very easy, resulted in a 3% increase in the number of families that actually verified their eligibility. And you might say 3%, you know, that's not that much. But for a program that serves 30 million students every day, 3% is meaningful. And I'm going to impress you with some math in my head here. That is 900,000 um, more responses to this income verification response. So that's just one example. Yeah, it's, it's hard for people, I think, sometimes to understand or, or imagine the scope of some of these programs. And you're right. I As soon as you said 3%, I'm like, well, 3%, was it worth the effort? But when you quantify that that's pretty impressive about these sessions that you did these five sessions how many of them revolved around started with robert at some point referencing the commission on evidence-based policy making because i i imagine that it was probably a pretty high percentage i, I think it was actually now, a contract you... that we signed 
Oh, oh, to make so that he wouldn't go on and on about it all day. Well, an allowance, an allowance. Oh, okay. So he could make like well, there a... There was a limited number. Uh, that's, that's a great... Whoever thought of that was really smart. Whoever thought David, of that really, really knows Robert very well. I'll never forgive you. That's a great idea. So, David, what's next? What do you, what do you expect from the Biden administration in the uptake on behavioral sciences? What, what result do you think came from our work? Right. Well, that's a good question. And like you said earlier, Robert, there are so many opportunities to apply behavioral insights. And obviously, any time an administration changes, there are new priorities, but a lot of you know work continues. So, you know, as with any change in administration, it's a really good opportunity to look at, you know, what's working and what's not working so well and try to identify ways to actually improve existing policies and programs. And behavioral insights are a fantastic way to do that. Uh, obviously, as the COVID-19 vaccine rolls out, um, you know, it may be a challenge to actually get people to uh, get the vaccine. Behavioral insights are a fantastic way to encourage more people to get the vaccine. Um, you know, obviously, the Biden administration will want to do some pretty robust stimulus. Um, you know, with stimulus, that presents an opportunity for um, fraud. And actually, at our second workshop, we had somebody on the panel talk about how behavioral insights can be used to um, prevent or at least reduce uh, fraud. And, um, you know, there are tons of opportunities for behavioral insights to be used to ensure that the uh, COVID-19 uh, stimulus is actually used the way it's supposed to be used and that it actually goes to the people that need it the most. Tell our audience where they might access videos of our sessions or the report itself, if those are available. And then also talk about my favorite organization in government, the Partnership for Public Service, and and uh, you know what what other things you do there when you're not having to spend time with the Grant Thornton team. Sure. So the report is on the partnerships homepage. You can find it at ourpublicservice.org. That's O-U-R, publicservice.org. And then go to the research section of that um, webpage and you'll be able to identify the report. Um, yeah, Robert, so um, obviously I would love to work with you and your team at Grant Thornton 12 months um, of the year, but um, you know can't do it, so I do have some other work. And actually, um, one of the big things the partnership does that's upcoming is our best places to work in the federal government rankings. So um, I'm beginning to... Uh, pivot to that and uh you know i'm eager to see what um you know the state of employee engagement is in government this year so that's what's that'll up be next. An, that'll be an interesting study yeah that's going to be a be. heck of a set of numbers it, just a quick sidebar on that we're starting to run out of time but how do you think that the delay in getting the numbers getting people to take the survey and getting them to respond and then collating the numbers will affect your ability to get numbers out because we're starting to, I would imagine, we're starting to butt up against the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey for 2021. That's right. So everything was delayed um, by a few months this year due to the pandemic. So we, the partnership, obviously, we use OPM's Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey data to generate our best places to work numbers. Um, OPM was a few months late getting the survey out, which means that we'll be um, a few months delayed uh, producing the rankings. I guess the question is when will OPM administer the survey in 2021? Mm. Um, I, I don't think that's been decided yet, but um, uh, maybe the case that they administer it a little bit late again in 2021, just because um, 
you know, the period between the two surveys is so compressed. The report is called a nudge in the, or I guess it, maybe I should say it a nudge in the right direction. <laughs> How understanding human behavior can lead to more effective government. Uh, Dave Garcia, the partner for public service. Great to have you on the program. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. <laughs>